All right, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse number 19. I gave you this last time. I'm not going to teach this again, but it's going to be kind of our theme verse. This is part two of soul winning. Notice he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now we call that the Great Commission. There's some people that call it the fishing mission. And what that means is the Lord tells us to go out and be fishers of men. You say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, it's our job to tell other people about the Savior. And if you're saved, you've got a right to tell somebody. We talked about that last time. And so we're commissioned to be soul winners. And the first thing he says is go. You take the go out of the gospel and all you'll have is a spell. We've got to go and tell people about Jesus. And we're to teach them about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And try to get folks to trust the Lord as their Savior, get them baptized, and get them discipled. That's so important. Uh, we're living in a day and time where nobody knows anything about the Bible. Very little they know about the Bible. They can't tell you anything. And so I, I always thank the Lord for all these parents that are bringing their kids. We've got a youth program going on right now. And it's a lot. They have fun. They've got a little rotation out there. They start out, and some of them are in class time, and some of them go to game time. They get about 30 minutes of class. That's, that's plenty for a kid. <laughs> and anyway, plenty for most of us. But you get 30 minutes of that, then they have a game time, and then they've got a meal time. They start out with music, I think, too. They've got music, and then they go to class or game and all that stuff. And it's a rotation, kind of like a mini vacation Bible school. But for 30 minutes, every Wednesday night, they're learning things about the Bible. And even the little bitty ones are learning. And so they grow up knowing those Bible stories. And then we have a Sunday school program on Sunday mornings. We have a strong Sunday school we're very thankful for where people come and they come and learn and they bring their kids to learn and grandkids and all kinds of things. And here you are. Some of you have got kids over there. Some of you don't have kids over there. But you're here for a Bible study tonight. And so we're learning about soul winning. But so many people don't know anything about the Bible. We need to know something about it. And not only that. Not only are we commissioned to go, I told you last time, we're to pray to be soul winners. We're commissioned to be soul winners, but we're to pray to be soul winners. And what that means is we ought to ask God to give us a burden. We need a burden is what we need. This world right now that we're seeing take place in front of us, there's some wicked, wicked people. And it makes me no difference which side you're on. I really don't care. I mean, I really don't. Some people say, well, you got to get the shot. And some people say, everybody ought to get it. And some people say, well, it's my body. Really, I think it's your body. You ought to do what you want to do. That's my opinion. But, but you know, I'm not against anybody taking it. You'll take it. Do whatever you want to do. Either way is what I'm saying. Each person needs to make their own decisions, what I'm saying. But here's the thing. There's people out there now, they say, well, if you don't take the shot, we work in health care, and you get COVID, and you get sick, we shouldn't even treat you. You say, what is it? That's a wicked person. Now, I might find somebody that I don't agree with and don't like, but that doesn't mean I have to hate them. And so that's what we're living in in this world. There's something wrong with somebody's heart when they're that way. And so it's just the way it should be. I mean, we ought to help people. You don't go into a hospital and find out what your political affiliation is. You get help is what you're supposed to do. And I realize most of the folks in hospitals, you know, nurses and doctors and most of these people, they're pretty level-headed, and they're pretty good. And most of these that I'm talking about are somewhere else. 
they're somewhere else. Most of our folks around here are pretty level-headed, but we're living in crazy times. You say, well, what's a person need that's that way that doesn't care what happens to somebody? They need to be saved is what they need. They need to be saved. Then they would care more about people. They need a heart change is what they need. That's the way it should be. But we're living in crazy times. We're living in times that are nuts, and people are against everybody, and everybody's divided, and people hate people. Probably one of the worst things that ever happened in our country is social media. Because with social media, I mean, social media can't raise the dead, but it can make the dumb speak. And so what that means is everybody a voice, and some people don't need a voice. <laughs> Most people don't need, because you, especially you start reading stuff. And I mean, everybody's snapping at people and debating, and I thought, I hope I would never use that for debates and stuff like that. I mean, that's not a good reason to have something like that. But so many people are. Why can't you just, you know, be, go on your own way? But anyway, people aren't that way. Everybody's at each other all the time. You say, what is, what's our country need? Well, we don't need a Republican. We don't need a Democrat. We need the Lord is what we need. The Lord's the only one that can help this country. We're in a mess. And we're in a bigger mess now than we've ever been. It's, it's craziness. So we need the Lord's what we need. But what we, ought to, we ought to be able to look around the country and say, man, we ought to have a burden for people. There's people that need to be saved. And this country and this world has turned crazy, and what they need is the Lord is what they need. They need him. Got to have him. They've tried to get rid of the Bible. They've tried to get rid of the home. They've tried everything you can think of. They need the Lord's what they need. That's, that's how you fix things. All right? And then tonight, let's talk about this. We're to be soul conscious as soul winners. Take your Bible and go to Proverbs 24. Proverbs chapter 24. We'll look at a couple places here. That's the middle of your Bible. You turn to Psalms, hang a right, and you got it. Proverbs chapter 24. These pages get sticking together. Proverbs chapter 24. And we're going to go down to verse 11. Proverbs 24, verse 11. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if you don't do it, if you refuse to deliver those and help them, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? In other words, you say, Well, I really didn't know it, and, but you did know it. The one that's looking at your heart, doesn't he understand this? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know, know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? What that means is, if you see somebody that's going to die without Christ, we could apply it to our situation. And you say, well, I just really don't want to help them. I'll just say, I didn't really know they needed the Lord. I just thought they were a Christian. And you knew better than God could get after you for something like that. It's our job as Christians to tell other people about the Lord. That's what we're supposed to do. We're to be soul conscious. Every soul matters to him. Red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in his sight. Don't matter who you are, that's just the way it is. We ought to be after everybody. If a person bleeds red, then they need to be saved. That's a good judge right there. If a person bleeds red, they need to be saved. Now, my blood comes out, it's red, white, and blue. Somebody say, hey, man, I still like America. Amen. But you know what I mean. I think you can be patriotic and be all right. Anyway, that's another crazy thing in our country. But we ought to be thankful. We ought to be so conscious. We ought to go after people and try to help people. 
I told you before I preached in a church when I first started back in the 1990s. They asked me to come fill in. And come to find out they ran their pastor off. That's no lie. I mean, I, was like, I said, tell me again. I mean, I was like, did I hear this right? They ran their pastor off because he was driving a church van, picking up kids for church. And one of the kids was black. And they said, oh, you can't bring him. And he said, why? They said, he's black. He said, but why does that matter? <laughs> you know? And he said, listen, when I stop, and if he's at that stop, and those other kids get on, he wants to get on, he's getting on my bus. I, ain't, I don't care what color they are. He said, he needs the Lord just like everybody else. They said, that's all right. You won't pastor anymore. And they ran him off. And then they asked me to come fill in, and I didn't know the story, and I'm getting bits and pieces of it. And so I get the story about just, you know, like the day before I get it, I go, really? And so I preached out of Acts chapter 8 where Philip was preaching to that Ethiopian eunuch, that black man, and that black man got saved. Well, neither to say they didn't appreciate my message either. <laughs> anyway, what do you say? What are you saying? What I'm saying is that sometimes you get shocked about things. And I think there's less of that going on now, but there was a time where it was that way. There was a time it was that way. But red and yellow, black and white, as we sang, they're all precious in a sight. Everybody needs the Lord. And by the way, um, just because that church was that way, I'll say this, there's not hardly any churches that way. I realize there might be more. I just don't know about them, and I don't go there. But I promise you we're not that way. We're after souls is what we're after. We don't care what color you are, what your background is, how much money you have, or how many bills you got. It makes us no difference. Everybody needs to be saved. They need to be saved. And so we got to be so conscious. One time, me and Brother Luke back there, uh, we were out. This is right after 9-11. And when 9-11 hit, everybody got close to the Lord. You would think when COVID hit, everybody kind of get back to the Lord now. But I think the way people are watching things going on now, they're starting to get scared. And they're starting to realize, hey, we might be winding up here. We ought to better get right. And so some people are starting to pay attention to, if you watch the news, it ought to make you want to get in church, what it ought to make you do. It's, it's scary to see the world and the condition that it's in. But anyway... We were out, and after 9-11, I remember that was on a Monday or Tuesday, whatever, I think it was a Tuesday. That Wednesday night, we had more people at church than we'd had in a long time. And we wasn't having, I mean, I'd only been here six months, and we didn't have a whole lot anyway. But boy, there was a bunch of people that night. And I remember we had prayer. Everybody got together and prayed, and all the other churches were praying, and, and uh, all over the country they were praying. Democrats and Republicans were standing out on the side of the Capitol in Washington, D.C., uh, singing songs about God. You won't never say that again, but you did. That's just 20 years ago. That's craziness. I saw a video where, not, you know, that's coming back up, and I saw a video here a while back that showed right after 9 11 is a professional football game, NFL game. And, and anyway, there was a guy running out of the tunnel, and he had the flag, a big flag, and he was running that thing down. And I mean, everybody was standing, and those guys took their helmets off, and tears were rolling down their face. And I mean, people were patriotic like you hadn't seen in a long time. And now they've teach people not to love your country. Man, you ought to love your country. You ought to, and you ought to pray for your country. I mean, if America goes down, we're all in big trouble, and so is a whole bunch of the world. We need America to do well. But anyway... And your livelihoods are in trouble. There's all kinds of things. But, man, people were patriotic. They were mad. And they had a right to be mad. Some terrorists came over and killed a whole bunch of our people on our soil. We had a right to be mad and be angry. 
And boy, I remember hearing 80 year old men 20 years ago that aren't with us anymore. They said, I'll go over there and fight. Wherever there was, they wasn't sure where, where it come from. They said, we're, man, they were ready to enlist. People were ready to get after it. And you don't see that anymore. But they did back then. They'd all fought in wars before. Well, anyway, me and Brother Luke was going to see this guy. And I knocked on his door. He's here in town on the other part of town. And I knocked on his door, and when I did, well, he's been trying to get him to come to church. He, he came once, and I was after him. And anyway, he had some family going here. They said, well, you know what you go see him? I said, okay. I was knocking on his door, and he never did come to the door. He, it's obvious he wasn't home. So I had a church card or something. I was going to leave it in his door. About that time, a guy across the street said, he ain't home. I said, to what? He said, he's not home. I go, oh, okay. I said, I'm just going to leave him a card then. So he'll know I've been here. And I left him a card. I said, let's walk over there and talk to this guy. And so we walked across the street. And I said, uh, hey, I said, hey, while I'm over here, I said, I'm from Gethsemane Baptist. I'm the past, new pastor over there. And I said, uh, we've been inviting people to church. I said, this boy comes to church soon. I was just checking on him. He said, yeah, he's out of town. I said, well, where do you go to church at? He kind of dropped his head. And he goes, well, I don't go anywhere, but I need to be going somewhere. And I said, well, yeah, I guess you do. I mean, he's the one who said that. And I said, well, let me ask you a better question. I said, if you were to die today, do you know you'd go to heaven? And I mean, September 11th just happened. And people, he said, you know what? Since all that had just happened, he said, I've really been thinking about that. And tears come up in his eyes. And I said, well, do you care if I show you in the Bible how you can be saved and know it? And he said, no, I don't mind. Man, I took that Bible and showed him how to be saved. We sat down on the front steps of his house. Do you remember that? It's happened, isn't it? And we're sitting there, and I went through the Bible and showed him how to be saved. And he prayed right there and asked the Lord to save him. And about that time, this girl he was shacked up with walked out. She goes, what are y'all doing? I said, I'd love to tell you. I said, I'm the new preacher. And I said, he just trusts the Lord as a Savior. I don't guess him any better. He just, I said, how about you? You ever been saved? She goes, well, no, I've been thinking about it. So I said, well, scoot over, buddy. I said, sit down right here. And she, and they say, you know, I didn't let her the Lord. You say, what's that? That's being soul conscious. The, being soul conscious is this. Knowing that every single person that you encounter in life, it doesn't matter who they are, they've got a soul inside their body, and it's going to spend eternity in one of two places, in heaven or in hell. And when you think of it like that, you start th saying, maybe I ought to be a better witness. It'd be, I mean, that's the way it ought to be. Brother Don got telling yesterday in our Bible Institute last night, he's 77, I think now. And anyway, he was over in Searcy, the area he lives in, and he was getting tires on, the, on his van and getting oil change. And anyway, he dropped it off. And anyway, anytime you go to a tire place, it usually works out like this for me or oil change, you know. And there they are, and he's getting oil change, getting tires and, and all that. And he's sitting there, and it's taking a long, and it's going on. And he said, man, nothing's happening. And and the van hadn't moved. He had an appointment for 9 o'clock, and it was like 9.30, and he looked across the street, and there was Burger King. He said, I'll just walk over there and get me some coffee or whatever he's going to get. He walked over there and sat down and just sat there and drank coffee for about an hour. The van moved during that time, and they brought it back. He said, oh, I think I might be done. And so it's like 10.30 now. And he walks over there, and he says, hey, he said, uh, is my van finished? I said, sure is. And they gave him a bill for like 700-something bucks. And he and and he and I said, here's he said uh, he said, hold on a minute. He said, uh, he said, you're all finished. He said, well, I don't look finished. He said, what do you mean? He said, the same tires I drove up on are still on it. He said, maybe you might want to check that out. 
And the guy went out there and checked it. He goes, oh, my goodness. I don't know what happened. Let me find out. And he went to the back, and he came back, and he said, I got good news and bad news. He said, what's the good news? He said, the good news is you're getting a free oil change and a free filter. <laughs> the bad news is they forgot to put your tires on. <laughs> he said, it's going to take a little bit longer. And he said, you know, he said, I could have gotten mad right there and said, you listen here, man. My time's, you know, my time's valuable or this or that. But he didn't. He said, well, that'll be all right. I appreciate that. He said, I'll just wait a little bit longer. It'll be okay. He said, that happens. And he said he didn't get mad at him. And he didn't blow up at him like most people would have done. You know, when you get that certain age, you ought to know better than that. Because what he thought was, you know what, I might see that guy at Walmart sometime. And he'll say, well, there's that guy that blew up on me. But he said he won't be able to say that about me. He'll say, you know what, that guy right there, most people would have got mad after that. I mean, had to wait as long. I mean, because he had to wait a little bit longer. And, and he said, he didn't even get mad. I said, yeah, but you'll go to Walmart and you'll see him. You'll say, well, there's the guy that made me wait for two hours. That's what, <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> but you know what? That guy might not be saved. And now he can, if he gets to see him again, he's got an opportunity to witness to him. And that's the way it ought to be. And so a soft answer turns away wrath, the Bible says. You can just be careful with how you say things sometimes. And so we ought to be so conscious. That's important. Take your Bible and go to Ezekiel 33. I'll show you another place here. Ezekiel 33. That's hard to do sometimes. As you get mad. You ever been to a restaurant and chewed a waitress out because your food wasn't right? You need to look on the, the, the little thing where she wrote it down. She wrote it down right. Might not have been her fault. But even if she didn't get it right or he didn't get it right, you really got to get after them. They just served 900 people. I mean, everybody makes a mistake. But sometimes it's that way. Man, if everything ain't just right, Danielle knows what I'm talking about probably back here. <laughs> it happens. You know what they tell me and not Danielle? She's here. She's been a waitress for years. She's not now, but she, she's really good at it. But you know what they tell me, waitresses and waiters? They tell me that church people are usually the worst to them. Ain't that something? Man, we ought to be the best to them. And you know what, church people, they don't tip good most of the time either. They ought to, man, we ought to do the best. That's the way it ought to be. Leave them one. I always leave them a tip whether they do a good job or not. Now, they do a really good job at getting a better tip. Yeah, that's right. But if you do a poor job, don't fry bacon in short sleeves as your tip. <laughs> All right, Ezekiel 30. No, <laughs> Ezekiel 33. <laughs> That'd be a good tip. <laughs> Ezekiel 33. <laughs> I'm having fun, but you are just having trouble tonight. <laughs> Ezekiel 33. Some of you are thinking, this guy's nuts. Yeah, but I'm on good behavior tonight. You ought to come on a normal night. Ezekiel 33, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchmen, you know what the Bible tells us, and we're going to continue reading, hold your spot. We're to be watchmen, watch people. We're to be over people and watchmen. You say, what are you talking about? We're watching over people's souls and witnessing to them. And what the whole point of the story is, you know if they don't trust Christ, something bad's going to happen. And it's our job to warn them of what that bad is so that they can correct it and be saved. Verse 3, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. 
Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. Take preaching, for instance. I get up on a Sunday morning, people come in, and I preach. And I say, okay, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you'll die and go to a terrible place called hell. That's what the Bible says. And a person walks out and they say, well, I don't care what that preacher says. And then say, they die on the way home and they die without Christ. And, that's, and God forbid, we pray that never happens. And, and they don't go to heaven. Well, what God says is, their blood's not on me because I warned them in total. What if this building started falling in, one of these, this section right here? I saw it about to collapse and go. And I started, and I just sat here and said, they're all about to die. But I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm not going to say anything. Man, I wouldn't do that. I'd say, hey, do you right here? Move, get out of the way. And you'd be glad that I did. If you made it in time. If you didn't, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> but you know what? I did all I could do. I warned you. If you didn't want to move, you say, no, I think I'll just sit here and do it my own way. Well, it's going to fall and kill you. I'll take my chances. That's how people are with their soul. It's our job to tell them, but you can't make them be saved. All right? You've done your part if you tell them. Verse 5. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come, seal and fallen, and blow not the trumpet, he doesn't warn them, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquities, dying in his sin. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. You know, there's going to be people that we stand at the judgment, the white throne judgment, the judgment for lost people, and there's going to be blood on our hands because we failed to tell somebody about Christ. Oh, we're, we're saved and we're going to heaven. But the whole point is, somebody's going to look at you and say, well, that was my next door neighbor. That was my parent. That was my child. That was my cousin. That was my coworker. That was my stepdad. That was whatever. And you say, well, but they never told me. Why didn't they tell me? And man, that's no good. Because we know. People say, well, I just don't want to hurt nobody. But if you don't want to hurt somebody, you ought to tell them how to be saved. You don't have to be mean about it. Be nice about it. The most loving thing you can do is tell somebody that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. And he loves them. And he wants them to go to heaven. Do you realize that? The Lord wants you to go to heaven forever. That's a blessing right there. I'm glad. If you don't go to heaven, it's your own fault. It's not his fault. Because he died for you. Verse 7. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. We'll be judged over that. And so that's an important thing. We ought to make sure. Make sure we tell people. They say years ago there was a preacher named Monroe Parker. He's been dead for several years. I've got his biography in my office. I like biographies and I read them. I've read biographies about preachers. I've read them about gangsters, basketball players, boxers, presidents, uh, hymn writers, you name it, all kinds of walks of life. And celebrities, all kinds of people. I just like read. I like real stories. All these and you may be one of these that reads fiction all the time. 
A lot of people really enjoy that. To me, I feel like I'm just wasting my time. I ain't learning nothing. That's just my personal feeling. When I get it, I'm just like, I just wasted three hours. When I could read something that's real, I could learn something. But you know what? You say, well, you just, that's not nice because I read fiction. Well, if I watch a TV show that's not real, I've done the same thing. So I just, but I don't like to read fiction. It's just me, but a lot of people really enjoy it. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying it's not for me. I like to learn. So I just love to learn. And so I'll read stuff like that. Well, I was reading about Monroe Parker, and he was an evangelist. And he used to be a football player years ago, and he's a big, strong guy. Anyway, he was out in a town in the 1950s. And back then, they had pool halls. Y'all remember those? They had, they had one here, surely, didn't they? Yeah, they had one. And you gamble in pool halls and all kinds of bad stuff used to happen back then, you know. But anyway, that, that's where the action was happening. Well, anyway, here they were in these, this pool hall. And what he did is he went down to different businesses in town, and people were so receptive to the gospel. If a preacher came in, they'd say, hey, the preacher's in here. He wants to invite people to church. Listen up. Because that's just the way America used to be so different. They were so church-oriented. Now we've gotten away from that, it'd be different, you know. He walked in, and they said, hey, I think that's the guy preaching that revival meeting. He said, yeah. He said, can I say a word? And they said, sure. And he, he stood right there, and he told people, he said, I'm preaching at so-and-so Baptist church, and I'd like to invite you. And he said, and let me tell you, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior. And he went through the gospel. It took like five minutes, then he got out of their hair and left and let them go back to what they was doing. He left, and they'd been the deacon at that church, his son was lost. And they'd been praying for that boy, and I mean praying for him, but he was wicked. He's grown, just a young man, wicked. And anyway, and when he walked out of that pool hall, he walked across the street, and he's going to go to the drugstore. This tells you how long ago it was. You get him a soda at the soda fountain. So he walked across the street, and as he's walking across there, that boy walked up, met him, and he checked him with his shoulder. And Parker said, hey, you meant to do that. He said, what if I did? What are you going to do about it? And, of course, Parker's being strong. He could have handled that boy easily. He said, well, I'm not going to do nothing. He said, I'm just telling you, you meant to do it, and I want you to know I know it. He said, well, if you take your Christianity off for about five minutes, we could settle this preacher. He said, I don't got the kind of Christianity you can take off. That's a pretty good answer right there. And he said, besides, I know who you are. You're that deacon's boy. And he said, we've been praying for you. He said, your daddy's been crying every night at the meeting and praying that his boy would get right and get saved. And He said, once you get saved, boy, the boy ducked his head then. He realized he knew who he was. He got under conviction. He said, well, I know. I, I guess I do need to be saved. He said, sure you do. He said, what would stop you from taking care of it right now? He goes, oh, no, no. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll come to the meeting tonight, and I'll walk down the aisle, and I'll get saved. He said, that's wonderful. But he said, once you get saved now, and you'll enjoy the meeting a whole lot better. He goes, no, I'll, I'll do it tonight. He said, well, you ought to just go ahead. If you're going to do it, why don't you get it done? He said, I told you I'll do it tonight. Don't ask me again. He said, okay, that's fine. I'll see you tonight, Lord willing. Well, that preacher went, and they had him in a little motel room, and he was staying in that motel room, and he had his Bible out, and he was studying for his message and getting ready to preach that night, and the phone rang. And he just heard all kinds of sirens and things like that, and he picked up the phone. They said, is this the preacher? He said, yes. They said, they need you right two blocks over here downtown somebody's calling for you he went downtown and there was that boy he got hit by a car and he was laying there dying and that preacher said son you should have taken care of it when you had the chance he said 
And he got in his ear, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that boy cussed him right then and died. Ain't that something? That's terrible. Now that preacher warned him. And it wasn't the preacher's fault. He did everything he could do in his power. But that boy didn't trust Christ as his Savior. You know, I'm afraid there's a lot of people like that. I just wonder how many people's walked out that door, that door, that door, or that door. We got a large auditorium. We got four sets of doors in this auditorium. Doubles. Four sets of double doors. I wonder how many people's left these doors leaving out, knowing they weren't saved, and the Lord was dealing with them about it, and they didn't get, get it right. That's a scary situation. There's no telling. Probably hundreds. Maybe, maybe more. I don't know. Lots of people. Man, that's one thing you better make sure you got fixed. Get that right. And so it's our job. But you don't got to be a preacher to tell people. We had, a, we had a lady one year lead about five people to the Lord in the nursing home. Well, man, that's good. We had boys and girls in school leading people to the Lord at school. That's great. That's what we ought to be. We ought to be telling people about it. Nothing wrong with that. We're to be so conscious. Now, something else about this. The last thing. We're to expect results as a soul winner. If you was here last week, I talked to you about this. I said, if you fish long enough, you're going to catch fish. I told you about my wife having the Scooby-Doo pole and her bait come off and her daddy got tired of, hook, of putting the bait on. And he said, just throw it in there. It's all right. She's little, you know. She threw it in there and after a little while she said, Daddy, I got a fish. I got a fish. And he's like, he said, you don't have a fish. And he looked down and sure enough, I mean, she had a fish. And, and he couldn't believe it. That fish got on that hook without any bait. And the moral of the story is if you fish long enough, you'll catch fish eventually. I've been in boats before and a fish jump up and land in the boat. You ever had that happen, Brother Randy? That's the way to catch them right there. I like it. That's easy. I mean, when they're jumping in the boat, you got it. <laughs> Amen. I like that game warden that time that was dealing with that old boy. and He went fishing with him, and that boy pulled out some. Uh, he said he had a, some dynamite. and Anyway, he got the game warden. Uh, the game warden said, what, what are you going to do with that? He said, I'm about to throw this over here and bring some fish up. He said, man, that's illegal. That's a... He said, well, just a second. He handed him the dynamite, and he got something. He said, well, what am I going to do now? And he said, well, he said, you can write me a ticket or you can fish, whichever one you want to do, you know. He had to throw it over. Once he did it, he was out of, the, out of trouble there. <laughs> anyway, that's not the right way to fish. It will get you in trouble. But you ought to expect results. And by the way, if you're going to expect results, you ought to rejoice over it too. Take your Bible and go to Luke chapter 15. We're about done tonight. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Now next week, I'm going to show you some ways that you can witness even without talking to people. Luke chapter 15. Some of you say, well, I don't really like to do that. Well, you can. You ought to get you some gospel tracks. We got a whole bunch of them. We could get, hook you up. You ever get those credit card um, things in the mail wanting you to get a credit card? How many of you got one of those? You ever notice that they got a return envelope? And the postage is paid. They really don't want you to put that credit stuff back in there. They want a gospel track. It's free. It goes right back to them. That's what that's for. And so what you do is you put that in a gospel track. So you don't buy the envelope. You don't pay the postage. 
All you have to do is stick it in the mail. And then somebody, wherever, they open that up and they think they're about to sign you up and you're going to owe for the rest of your life and pay 29% in interest. <laughs> man, that's, credit cards is a, man, that's a sham right there. <laughs> that's a racket is what that is. Anyway, and you open up and it's a gospel track. Who knows? Somebody might get saved. That's a good way to, that's a good way to witness. All right. How about this? Uh, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Did you know the angels are happy when somebody repents? How much more should we be happy then? Angels aren't even saved. They were made perfect. They didn't have a need for salvation. They're in heaven with the Lord. We're sinners saved by grace. We ought to be. We see somebody else get saved. It ought to bring us back to when we got saved. And we realize what just happened to that person. That ought to be an important thing. And people will get saved. And then you baptize somebody after they get saved. And, and people get up and walk out during it. I said, well, i got to get out of here and go, my goodness, walk out there in a baptism? That's the most important. Man, that's, that's awesome is what that is. They're preaching a message up there and showing the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ saying, hey, I got saved. And I want everybody to know it. That's why I'm getting baptized. And we ought to be glad when that happens. Be thankful. Our church is pretty good about it, actually. Really good. And you ought to expect a reward. This is the last place. 1 Thessalonians 2. You can get a reward for winning souls. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Here it is. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 19. Great verse here. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? You get a crown of rejoicing. What is it? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? He said, what's our hope? What's our joy for this crown of rejoicing? He said, it's you. These people are the people that Paul led to Christ. And so you lead somebody to the Lord, you can get a reward in heaven. That's a big deal. That's a wonderful deal. Man, people win a prize and they go crazy down here. Imagine getting something up there just because you told others about the Lord. And it can happen. You can expect a reward. And you ought to try to get some. Try to get some. All right, we're going to stop.